Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, I thank you for the house of God. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the man of God. I thank you for the spirit of truth, Lord, that operates in favor of those who have come to your kingdom, Lord. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would reveal mysteries, that we would see things we're supposed to see, Lord, that we, you would reveal the things that the Spirit of God would reveal to us, that we might be strong in spirit, strong in truth, and be a light in this world, O oh God. Father, many have compromised and negotiated because of fear of being persecuted, but we pray, Lord, that your Spirit would be strong on our behalf, and that the Spirit of God might transform us and use us as instruments in the hand of God. That it might quicken our mortal bodies to be alive for God. Alive and well, speaking truth that speaks louder, Father God, than the culture that presently is castrating and captivating and imprisoning the souls. Father, we pray, Father God, that your people might enlarge and grow and increase, Lord. Father, Father, we pray that you move with power and grace in our lives and that truth would be stronger than lies and light would be brighter than darkness. Allow us to shine for your glory, Lord. Allow us to understand that we're vessels of honor to be useful and meet for every purpose of your handiwork upon the earth. We pray for all the preachers that preach in the land, O oh God, that you give them a strong voice of truth, O oh God, so that this nation might be exalted by the Spirit of the Lord. We pray, Father God, that you direct our steps and that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth fruit that would glorify your name, Lord. For greater is he who is with us than he that is against us, Lord. We declare that we are the head and not the tail. That we are on top alone, Father, and never beneath, O oh God. Give us wisdom this day. Allow your grace to be added. Allow your anointing to break the yoke of sin and disobedience in our lives, Lord. And be exalted. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for your victory. And that you lead us always to triumph in your purposes, Lord. We present ourselves as bodies fit for your use, Lord, to fulfill your purpose to glorify your name upon the earth. In Jesus' name, that your word not return void, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We began on Wednesday talking about the power of the Spirit of God. In fact, we, we started there in 1 Corinthians 2.9, where it says, things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, has not entered into the heart. These are the three aspects of a man's life, his eyes, his heart, and his ears to hear. Faith comes by hearing. Um, God has chosen preaching the, the foolish method to confound the wise. It seems so crazy that the word being preached would be the very things that inspires us to transform a nation. But eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart. These three things need to be pierced by you. Tell them, Lord, my eyes see what you see. My ears hearing what you say and what your Holy Spirit says. And my heart captured 
not by mammon and the desire to have more, but by your spirit. He says in verse 11, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry. These things, God has revealed them to us. What things? The things that your eyes have not seen, ears haven't heard, hasn't come to your heart. These things God has revealed through his spirit. For the spirit searches, knows the deep things of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to stay in the superficial because the superficial is the first thing the wind blows away. I don't want, I want to grow roots. The word radical in Latin means deep roots. You, you could add that to your prayer. Say, Lord, make me radical. And when you're saying make me radical, you're saying deep-rooted like a palm tree. You see, all the trees fall when the storms come except palm trees. The palm trees have deep root systems, and the wind blows them all the way to the ground, and then they, they, they come back up. Lord, let your spirit make me a radical. Reveal to me the deep things. And then there it says in verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world. One of the things that I was listening to David Wilkerson last night preach, he was saying that we cannot, and I was saying, uh, I was hearing Wellington Boone say the same thing. Um, the youth culture wants to make the church like the nightclubs. They want to make the lights and the smoke. We are the lights and we are the smoke. Amen. We're not to have lights and smoke. We are. We pierce the hearts of men, not with an outward appearance, but with an inner intensity. We're going to see that today too. Um, my prayer early on in my ministry, Lord, there's a light that shines that allows people to see, but let me be a light that's laser sharp that cuts through steel. How many know that, that, that there's a light that cuts through steel? It's a laser light. And it's, it's, its beam will pierce the very hard things. And so you ask God, let me be the light of the world, but not just the light that shines, but a light that pierces the heart of men. And so the challenge is, is we sit with men and we share our hearts. We cut them to the heart. We allow them to see that life is more than just vanity. And fanfare. And I couldn't stand at a concert before a natural man with natural talent uh, who's engaging in taking multitudes to sin. This last word, uh, pedacito, what's it called? And there you go. Despacito. Taking multitudes to sin. And it should be called pedacito because everybody's going to be shredded to destruction. And, and let us be the influence. Years ago when Madonna would kiss Britney Spears on national television, um, it pierced the heart of our generation with perversion. Um, the multitudes were sitting there watching something we don't watch. And when these two women kissed, it was the devil bringing the depth of hell and scattering his refuse to the hearts of our generation. And, and I say, if devils can go deep in their perversion and spray the hearts of men, how much us going high to the heavens and piercing the, the holiness that my life would be a fire uh, consumed by the Spirit of God. 
that would saturate the hearts of men. And, and when Peter was in the book of Acts, having received the Holy Spirit, when he's on fire with the Holy Spirit, they would ask him in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Listen to this. This is you being a vessel of God. When they heard what Peter was saying, they were cut to the heart. Some of you tickle people when you talk about Jesus. You're not supposed to tickle people. Your intensity in Christ, the fire of God, should, should cut into the hearts of your children. Should cut into the heart of those that dare to invite you to coffee. We're not to be ordinary, common people with... I, an insult to me is to have a Christian talk about worldliness. Did you hear about the stock market? Did you hear about the Kardashians? Did you hear about Wall Street? Did you hear about politics? That's not our conversation. We're supposed to be so embedded with the fire of God that when we sit down with somebody and exchange what's burning in our hearts, that lights the person on fire. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the leaders, men, Brethren, what shall we do? Give us an assignment. If you're telling us that these things are real, then, then give us more of where we should go and what we should do. Not about the latest discounts and, and, and the malls and the sales. and No, our conversation is different. We're not talking about the Dolphins and the Marlins and the Yankees and the the Red Sox, we've got something better to talk about. And so when they asked Peter, what can we do based on what you're telling us? We're cut to heart. Peter was able to tell him, verse 38, repent. Turn. Start walking differently. Let every one of you be baptized and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. These three things about turning your life towards God and, and to begin to uh, obey his word, baptized in the waters. And then third, be filled with the Holy Spirit. These things were the message of the men that Jesus left upon the earth. And so as we are seeing this in um, Luke chapter 24, verse 49 um, Jesus tells his disciples, you guys go to Jerusalem and tarry there. We said that on Wednesday. I'm not going to preach that message again. You should get that message and understand what it means to tarry. What it is to wait and be if the Holy Spirit is coming. And we're supposed to wait for it because if we wait and sit, that word tarry means sit, sit still as a student under the teaching of the Spirit of God. I was a horrible student growing up because I never paid attention in class. And so these studies coming out of Australia now saying that students who pay attention in class, the students who have most discipline are the ones who learn the most. Go figure. Ooh. I think I'm going to do a study in church also. Those who pay attention are the ones that change the world. Those who sit still and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. There's, there's a spirit that doesn't allow you to be taught. It's a rebellious spirit. And so this spirit of God that comes, he will begin to teach us. 
He will begin to move in our lives in a manner that is powerful, not to grieve the Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he's going to be your guide. He's going to lead you, um, and this is super powerful. Get ready for this. There's something called a tour guide, and a tour guide will lead you in the way that he's going to show you the scenic route. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll guide you. And he's been guiding me for the last 34 years. I'll tell you that I am blown away. And a lot of people says, what are you going to do next? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to follow the Spirit of God. Amen. And where the Bible says like the wind that blows. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but you just open up your wings and let the Spirit of God lead you. These are the sons of God. The Spirit of truth. He will guide you towards all truth. He will not speak of his own. Whatever he hears from the Father and the Son, he will speak. And he will tell you the things that concern your future. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what's going to happen. Be a vessel of the Spirit of God. Let it, let it come upon you in a powerful mindset. Romans 8, 14. These as are many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Mature believers are those that are led by the Spirit of God. Uh, one preacher said, led because you're going to go somewhere. Led because it will direct you in a direction. That's what the Spirit of God does. It gives you a direction. It will lead you. Uh, the horrible aspect of not having the Spirit of God lead you, that you not be a follower of the Spirit of God. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 1, the Bible says after Jesus had been baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it begins to lead you in a direction you're to go. In the wilderness, Jesus would learn how to fight spiritual opposition, the devil. He was tempted three times, and the Spirit of God led him to victory. So verse 14 says, he returned from the desert in the power of the Spirit. He was led after baptism to the desert wilderness, and now he returned from the desert in the power of the Spirit. And he was, began to proclaim the kingdom of God. He was known throughout the surrounding region. You, you cannot be led by the Spirit of God and not freak people out. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit and let it lead your life. And see the great works of God. Um, there, verse 17, it says, he walked into the synagogue and he was given the book of Isaiah. And he opened the book and he found a place that it was written. Verse 18, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you will be anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. That, that is the very 
initial expression, when you start talking about the good news to people that are uh, in famine, in hunger, people that are starving, uh, did you know that the Spirit of God wants to satiate and quench hunger and thirst? Wants to satisfy what man longs for. And it's more than bread and water. It's purpose and significance. The Spirit of God. Good news. There's not, there's not one person that I have talked to in 34 years giving them bad news because the Spirit of God has good news for every man, woman, and boy and girl. It's, it's a powerful provision of God. And why is that spirit upon me? Because he's given me the ability to preach good news to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's, there's healing power in the spirit of God and its anointing. I, I love to pray for the sick. Why do I love to pray for the sick? Because God heals. I love what he's done with my father. It's been marvelous. It's just a healing power that has come upon him. Supernatural. Uh, as my father was in one of the rooms during this time of trial, there was a man right next to him who was probably the same age, maybe younger, who had a stroke. And he couldn't swallow. He couldn't speak. He couldn't walk. He, he, he was being fed through a tube in his stomach. And, and I was telling the man, call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. The Spirit of God comes and visits and overshadows with the presence of God those who call upon the name of the Lord. And I, I have no doubt, like in Ezekiel 37... The Bible says that, that there Ezekiel walked into the valley of the dry bones. And, and watching those bones, he heard the Spirit of the Lord say, prophesy. Speak over those bones. And they begin to move. They begin to shake and rattle and come together. And, and all of a sudden, there's a huge army, all by the Spirit of God. We're yet to see... A people saturated by the Spirit of God. It's a, it's a contrary spirit to the world. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2 says, And the earth was void and empty, empty and void, darkness, without form, without order. And there the Spirit of God began to hover. I, I, Almost as if God sends his spirit where there's darkness and no order. There's chaos and confusion. I, I, I pity the, the, the people who don't have the spirit of God in their life. It's chaotic. It's, it's weird. It's bizarre. It's strange. The, the, the depraved thoughts in the heart of a man without the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is peace. It's tranquility. It's prosperity. The Spirit of God comes over that. At the beginning here, we see the ministry. 
It prepares everything for the word of God to speak. And so we said on Wednesday, the spirit of God descends like a dove upon Jesus because it only falls on those that are still. If you're fast moving and fast paced and you're not waiting on God, you miss the spirit. The Spirit has come to anoint us to preach good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive. Just recently, my wife shows me a picture of three people that came to our church right when we started church. The devil started sending all these demon-possessed people over here. And these three people that that were like the exorcists, they all got set free. They all got, you know, they're all in this picture, and they're all smiling. We say, "Woo!" It's amazing how the Spirit of God comes to set the captives free. Luke 4, 18, to proclaim liberty to the captive. There's all sorts of things that are holding people captive. They're being held captive by fear, by finances that are out of order. Our resources, listen, our resources should be in the quantity of abundance. Uh, We should be the, the most generous people upon the earth because God has gifted us with a manner of living that is not indebtedness. Indebtedness is a curse. We don't have debts, we have provision. We have the produce. People come to us. The Bible says we will lend and not borrow. Why? Because God is going to flourish. Uh, people don't know the word abundance. They don't know the word flourishing. But every time I see a fruit tree, it's, it's, it's fruitful. In mango season here, I get bags and bags of mangoes. In avocado season, I get bags and bags of avocado. How about bags and bags of money? Absolutely. If we were living like God intended for us to produce, to be fruitful, to flourish, we would have a lot more. And so God gives us that wisdom in his power. The Bible says that God blessed man, Genesis 1.28. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion. I I see expanse. I don't see a a road of famine and wilderness. Fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Have so much so that people say, hey, how do you do it? I'm planted in the house of the Lord. He's causing me to flourish in times of famine. Recovery. Luke 4.18 to return sight to the blind. You know, you know how blind people walk? Tell your neighbor, slow. Why? Because they'll stumble. They can't see. But if you have vision, you run. And you're not only going to run, you're not going to faint. You won't be weary. You'll mount up on wings of an eagle and you will fly. You will soar. A lot of people can't stand to see the grace of God in those that are soaring the heights of God's goodness. 
Imagine soaring. I just saw somebody put on, on social media on one of these YouTube channels, they put a little camera next to an eagle's head and he's soaring. I said, Lord, that's me. I want to mount up on wings of an eagle. I want to have an eagle's viewpoint, right? A bird's eye view on life. I don't want to be in uh, the trenches like an ostrich without wisdom, sticking my head in the ground, overwhelmed by earthly cares. I want to be set free. I want to recover the sight of the blind. I want to set at liberty those that are oppressed by the devil. These are the things concerning the spirit of God. If you go to Isaiah chapter 61, you can see a little bit further in verse 2 where it says, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what actually 217 is. It's the year of jubilee. A year of all things returning to God's people, all debts canceled. If you're not dancing with me, you get up and, and take one of those little, one little, woohoo! How could it be the year of Jubilee and you're not celebrating Jubilee? The 50th year of all debts canceled. Returning to you the things that belong to you that for generations, how many are sick and tired of hearing Cubans all they lost? Absolutely. Yo tenia, yo tenia, mi abuelo tenia, all that stuff. Imagine all that stuff coming back. That's what would happen in the year of Jubilee. Everything restored, all divorces healed, all debts canceled, all slaves set free in the year of Jubilee. It was powerful. He says to proclaim the year of Jubilee, the year of God's acceptance, the year when God takes vengeance on our enemies. He pays back all those that unrighteously stood against righteousness. It's, it's a powerful thing. One of the things that the Spirit of God does, it comforts all who mourn. The word comforts means it builds a fortress. It builds a fortress against those that want to make us sad. I refuse to be sad. Pastor, let me give you some bad news in my life. Wait, please have mercy on me. Let me tell you good news. Let me tell you things that are going to make you dance. <coughs> to build a fortress against the missiles I just met a lady this morning who was buying coffee. She says, don't you hate people that are envious of people? I said, people like you. People like you who refuse to go to church and get filled with the Spirit of God. So you wouldn't be thinking about people that make you envious or are envious of you. Come to church and get a different spirit on you, lady. <laughs> Carmen. She's like, I'm Carmen. I said, come to church. And quit thinking about people that are envious of you. Come to the house of God and build yourself a fortress. Comfort to those who mourn. Verse 3, to console, to be able to give a compassionate understanding to those that are sad. To give them attractiveness. That's what beauty is. Some people are just plain ugly. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, look at Paulette now. Woohoo! 
The Spirit of God upon you makes you attractive. Makes you shine, radiate. Your face will like, what, what, what makeup are you wearing now, Paulette? I don't know, makeup is a spirit of God. Don't be silly. Paulette, you better not be giving makeup names. The gospel, the power of God to raise the dead, to make ashes beautiful. Oil of gladness for those that have depression. My brother, the psychiatrist, tells all his patients, I got something for you other than all the antidepressants, other than all the stuff that, that fills the pharmaceutical companies with much money because people refuse to have the oil of joy, deep essence of joy. For mourning, garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, planted in a different place, the planting of the Lord, that he might be magnified, glorified. People will come in our direction. You should see the amount of men that are showing up here on Monday night. You know why they're showing up? Because our men are attractive. Attractive with the courage the courage of God to fight the battles of the Lord. There's nothing better looking than a man who's courageous. There's nothing uglier than a coward. And all the women say amen. amen. We want uh, battle-hardened warriors. That's why all these films, uh, the gladiator and Braveheart and all these things, uh, the spirit of courage is what makes us attractive. But, you know, some people don't read verse 4. And this, this is pinpointed with the Spirit's ministry upon the earth to rebuild old ruins. You know who wants to go there? No one. No one wants to walk into a place that is broken and, and forgotten, abandoned. You know who does? Those with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God allows you to have the courage to walk into a place that is ruins. I, I was talking to a millionaire, and I was excited about going back to Cuba, and he came over in the Peter Pan flights, and he goes, you know what they should do to Cuba? They should blow it up. It should sink into the Caribbean. I said, you're a wicked man. You've been here 50 years, and the, the brightest idea you have with all your millions is to blow up your homeland, you coward. He says, why are you following me? Because i got to tell you what's on my mind. That's why. <laughs> Leave me alone, he said. He tried to close the door on his business. I said, no, you're going to hear this. You're a coward. After 50 years, if you don't have something to take back to Cuba... You got the wrong substance with all your money. I think he gave like $100,000 to the political system here for the elections, and he lost them. Thank God. He has nothing to offer his homeland. He's a poor man. He has not the spirit of God, but the spirit of this world. He doesn't see a place of ruins being rebuilt. But when you have the Spirit of God upon you, you see the hope. That, that film speaks volumes of the substance that's in this church. The Spirit of God reviving an entire nation of desolation. The Bible says, they shall raise up former desolations. 
I had somebody drop in the offering bucket an envelope, stop going to Cuba. It's like, you crazy devil? You mean stop going to Cuba? The Spirit of the Lord sends us to dark places, to empty places, to chaotic places, to broken places, to restore, repair ruined cities. We didn't go to one city. We went to 15 cities. The desolation after many generations. Who would have a heart for this? Say with me, the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Restores marriage, family, parents, children, tohu and bohu, the disordered, empty places upon the earth. The Spirit of God is hovering there. And Romans 8, 11 says, if the Spirit of God is there that raised Jesus up from the dead, he that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to these mortal temporary bodies through his spirit that dwells in us. It's, it's, a, it's a, the lapse of the expression of righteous victory and triumph is not a dead church, a dead religion, a, a dead Bible study or pastor is that you refuse to be a channel for the Spirit of God. To be still and to tarry until the power from on high comes upon you. And, and Paul, Peter was able to speak to his, he, he denied Jesus three times. And now he's saying, you crucified the Lord. And he cut them to heart, filled with the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the mindset on the flesh have their mind on fleshly things. Those who live in the stream and currency, the current of the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. They could only produce a carnal conversation. Uh, I, I think it a curse. Listen very well. Yesterday there were young girls that were waiting to get married. And today, they're older women, they're married, they have children and families, and they are, they have forfeited their influence to the younger generation because they have no spiritual substance. You can shout amen right there, that's good preaching. At one time, they needed spiritual women in their life to set the course of their family, their marriage, their future, their finances. Today, they have usurped. All spiritual realities with carnal, fleshly conversation. Their mind is set on earthly things. But those who live in the current of the Spirit of God, their conversation and minds are on things that are conducive to the Spirit of God. Verse 6, to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. I guess that's why I feel it a stench. I, man, that's rotted. They're rotted over there. They have no spirit of God on them. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's a difference between life and peace and the rottenness of death, separation. 
Verse 7, because the carnal mind hates God. He's not on God's team. He doesn't fight God's battles. He resists God. He's not subject to the law of God, cannot receive it. There's nothing in his nature that accepts the restraint. I, I love when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it allows you to gird your loins. Gird your loins means everything that the carnal man and nature feels, you have said no. No, I'm not going to live life to what's easy and convenient and comfortable. The Spirit of God causes you to be a martyr. You'll be my witnesses. The word martyr means you die to you. That you might live for God. And so these are the sons of God. You see it. They're not pleasing the flesh. Verse 8. Those who are in the flesh mindset cannot please God. Why can't they please God? Because they're pleasing self. It's all about me, myself, and I. They cannot deny that. Verse 9. But you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. And if in, you're in the spirit, the spirit of God dwells inside of you. And anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That, that's going to be huge. So you find out all these ministries that are thriving on bringing pleasure to the flesh. They don't belong to God. God is not into, I don't know if you notice this little instrumentality here, but it's the instrument of death. Be crucified with Christ that you no longer live, but he lives in you. You're not doing what you want. I told my son when he was 12, I said, do you know dad doesn't do, do, doesn't do what he wants? He says, yeah, you just left your career. You love being a lawyer, but you're not doing what you want. You're denying self. Your wife should see it. Your husband should see it. Your children should see it. Or you are indulging yourself, which means you're eating for you. You're blowing up outside of God's purpose. You don't belong to God. You don't belong to God. You have to say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a selfish pig. I've, I told that woman, if your husband were to follow you, you are a tornado. You're, you're a wreck. You want your wife to follow you? And he goes, no, 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 no. Are you you to follow your wife. You, you want your husband to follow you? She says, no, no. Never. May that never happen. May we be filled with the Spirit of God and walk contrary to the flesh. We belong to God. Evidenced by the Spirit. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, then you're dead with regards to your personal life because that is sin. Selfish pride, arrogance. But the Spirit is life and allows you to walk in righteousness. Do you, do you see people that, that cannot be seen for righteousness sake? They, they can't express the life of God because selfishness is so huge. They don't have one thought towards God. Psalm 14.1 says the, the fool says in his heart there is no God. There's no God. So they rot and they've done abnormal, abominable works. There is not one who does good. 
If you're not filled with the Spirit of God, nothing you do is beneficial. There's no righteousness towards salvation. The Holy Spirit leads you to salvation, to marriage, to family, to ministry. It allows you to speak. Luke 12, 12, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it will tell you what to say. Let's read that, Luke 12, 12. When the Spirit is present, it will teach you what, in that very hour, what's to come out of your mouth. I just told the man this week, if you don't know what to say, bite your tongue and wait for the Spirit of God to tell you what you ought to say. Because there's life and power of death in the tongue. But the Holy Spirit will teach us what to say. Matthew 10, 20, for it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father will speak through you. It's not you who speaks. I, I, you know, for whatever it's worth, um, I know this sounds a little bit weird. Um, record your next conversation and find out how many times you talk about me, myself, and I. Because I think I'm going and I think I'm coming and I'm going to go and I'm going to come and I just bought and I just sold and I think about this and I think about them and I say this and it's filled with I. The Holy Spirit is not going to give you that conversation. You'll be thinking about others. Acts chapter 4 verse 8, when the Spirit of God came upon Peter and it filled him, he initially spoke to the rulers of the people and the elders of the people of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter directed his words towards the authority. I'm going to set words that will set God's order over God's people. That's why our ministry to nations is to the leaders of these nations. We, sit, we talk to, to governors and prime ministers and world leaders. Why? Because the Spirit of God is upon us, addressing things that are out of order. Really powerful. You say, God, fill me with your Spirit, and you will open your mouth to speak to rulers and to elders and to people that, that cause and influence change. That's what God has given us, that premise in the nations. In Acts chapter 10, he speaks to Peter. Go and speak to Cornelius. In verse 44, Acts 10, 44, while Peter was speaking the things that the Spirit of God was telling him to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those that were there. How important it would be that if you're God's man, God's woman, in a destined place of God, speaking the words of God, that the Holy Spirit might fall on those people that you speak with. Tell me that's not awesome. That the same Spirit that empowers you to speak the words of God, fall upon the people who are hearing the word. And verse 46, it says, when they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God, Peter said, can anybody withhold water to those who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. In Acts 13, verse 6, they show up to a place and they found a warlock. I've had people say, my secretary one day walked into my office and says, there's a big warlock in your lobby. There's a witch. I said, let him come in. Come in, witchy, witchy, witch. 
Yeah, but he has all those chains. He has all that gangaria, santero. I said, let him come in. He left without one chain on his body. All the things were stripped. The braces came off. The chains came off when he heard about Jesus. They had gone through the island of fat, and they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew named Bar Jesus, Bar son of Jesus. He was going around with a name that he was Christian. And the Bible says when Paul began to speak, this is powerful. Listen, listen what he says. Verse 7, he says, with the, he, um, they began to speak to the government leaders. An intelligent man. And the man Barnabas and Saul sought to hear the word of God. Verse 8. And this, this sorcerer was convincing them, seeking to turn the pro-council, the government, away from the faith. He didn't want them to believe in Jesus. Verse 9. You know when you're filled with the Spirit of God and somebody's doing something contrary to the Spirit? Saul, who is also named Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, got intense. When's the last time you got intense? You intently look at somebody and say to them, you son of the devil. How many would like the boldness? We, we need that boldness. There's a lot of sons of the devil that are not going to repent until they're looked at intently. Pray right now. Father God, give me the intensity of your spirit in Jesus' name. Verse 10, he looked at him intently and said, You fool of all deceit, you fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, won't you stop perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Woo! What's going on with you guys? Oh, you know, God doesn't like that. I, I think what you're doing really, really hurts the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the Spirit of God and cast some devils out of some people. Tell them what they are and who they are and ground that puppy. Quit twisting what God wants to make straight. Quit twisting what God hasn't perverted. Every time a mom tells a daughter, you better get some makeup on because you're not going to find a guy. Guess what? She's not going to find a guy based on her makeup. God, I pray. She's going to have the, the gift of God, a righteous husband, something set up in heaven that's spiritual, not carnal. Not based on, on Avon and I don't know all those other things. Michelin and Maybelline and Michelin tires. Goodyear, whatever the case may be. How many thank God pastor doesn't wear makeup? That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But look how he says, fill with the Holy Spirit with the intensity of saying, you hijo del diablo. Tu maldad te va a alcanzar. Your, your wickedness is going to capture your perversion. Verse 11, what's his response? Oh, you offended me. No, his response was, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind. You're going to go blind for your wickedness since you don't want to walk in the light you have. 
Immediately darkness fell upon him. He became blind and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Verse 12. The proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. Even everybody there, God, not me, I'm giving myself to Jesus. They, they surrendered and they believed after they saw the ministry of the Spirit of God. I just sat down with some world leaders this week and I told them, I'm not going to be part of a circus. Ministry is not circus. We're not going to stand and make the ministry of God something to be attractive in the natural. It's super unattractive to this world, to those that are being lost. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you that there's two days upon the earth that you should know about. The day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. Lord, why am I on this earth? I'm not here to, to run a company in the natural. I'm here to change nations. I'm here to, to prosper the kingdom of God. I'm here to take my time to understand the move of God's spirit. Acts 13.2, the Bible says, When the people of God gathered and worshiped the Lord, they were fasting and prayer. The Holy Spirit spoke, saying, Separate for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I've called them to. How many want the spirit of God to be in this house, separating people to the work of God? Absolutely. You two to England. You two to Australia. You two to India. Move upon the earth for the glory of God by the Spirit of God. <laughs> Acts 8.29, the Spirit said to Philip, go near the chariot and speak to the high official in the Ethiopian government. Go and speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was able to move. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and, and run up to his chariot. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to instruct you. You were fashioned by God to move by the Spirit of God upon the earth to change the world. Father, thank you for this day. We rejoice to be in the house of God. We rejoice to be your people. We rejoice that your word cuts us in our heart that we might ask you, what are we to do? Where are we to go? How are we to live? Fill our youth with the Spirit of God. Give them creativity. Give them tenacity. Give them intensity. Make them a light and a salt to this generation, Father God. Even the old men will dream dreams and see visions, Father God. Bring resources and finances to the kingdom of God. Make us flourish and to be fruitful in the things that please you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, for this word. We give you thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit that works on behalf of those of us that believe and follow the name of Jesus. Father, give us our land. Give us our buildings, O oh God. Lead this church to impact this city, O oh God. Make us strong in your spirit. Set us apart for the work that you have for us to change the world. We glorify your name. We exalt you. We praise your name, O oh Jesus. Thank you for the blessing and the abundance in our storehouses, in our purses, O oh God, in our stock. And barrels, O oh God, bless and prosper the works in the hands of your people to flourish with abundance. In Jesus' name we pray in the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.